Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Proverbs 16, verse 9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Sometimes you have an idea in mind of how things were going to go. Sometimes you create in your head, if I were to write the story of my life, this is how it would play out. This is the direction that I would be heading. And we make our plans, and plans are good. I like plans. I'm a planner. Yes, says the two guys that went on a camping trip with me in the mountains for two days. I'm a planner. Some people plan halfway. I like to plan all the way. Some people bring their hiking camping stove, but they don't bring anything to actually heat the water in to cook their food, and so they borrow your stuff. But I'm a planner. I prepared for myself and those who came along with me. I like to plan. I like to plan. But sometimes things don't go according to plan, do they? Sometimes our plans are made, but things start looking a little different to what we had planned. I wanted a wife, three kids, house, a dog. Good job, good career, retire at 65, do what I want. And God goes, hey, those are nice plans you got there. <laughs> but then God decides to determine our steps. Sometimes life kind of takes a detour. Have you notice that? And it takes a detour. Probably I was reminded of this. Liam, if you want to throw that picture up here, if we have it, when, not, not that one, the, the meme, I was driving, uh, I forgot who put this up, but my son is in the process of getting his driver's license right now, and he goes, hey, can I drive home from Chick-fil-A, which happened to be through this intersection, which this is exactly, if you've been down at what Indian River Road. And Kim still wrote and said, I've never been to an intersection where you go through it, then take a U-turn, and then hit a yield. And I just laughed because it was at night, it was raining, and Liam had to conquer this one. I was like, I actually don't know what to tell you right now. Just you follow the Lord. He will direct your steps, and we'll figure out what you're going to do. But sometimes life looks like this. Come on, I knew this intersection. It was hard. The traffic was bad. But I got it. I knew how to do it. And then all of a sudden, something like this just happens detours, as this intersection will show you, can be frustrating. They can be very, very frustrating. I was laughing about this camping trip. We went hiking, and uh, we took a couple of our guys in the mountains, and why we decided to do it when it was 22 degrees at night, I don't know. But uh, I wanted to go, uh, we spent a day hiking. Now, when, when I have this idea in my mind of what hiking is going to look like, and everybody else on the trip had their idea of what Hiking would look like, um, so we're three miles into the hike, or three hours into the hike, and uh, 
straight uphill. And it was the halfway point. I don't think the guys realized that, hey, this is actually the halfway point. And along this path, I suggested several detours. Hey, guys, if we turn right, we can pick up the Appalachian Trail and catch Spy Rock, which is another three miles down the road. And it's got this beautiful 360-degree view. And suddenly I realized how frustrating detours can be when I looked in the looks of their faces. And they're like, you go do what you want. We're going back. And so... 2,000 feet of climbing later, we turned around and, and headed home, and the only thing that kept me going the whole time was to remind them, hey, remember, no matter how far we go uphill, it's all downhill from here. And if you've ever gone downhill, downhill is actually harder than going uphill, so we had a good time. Detours can be frustrating, and this whole message actually came out of our conversation. When you called me, and, you know, he, he, we love John Maxwell. I don't want you to hear the wrong thing from what he was saying. John Maxwell is awesome. But that wasn't what he had signed up for when he was thinking about doing this missions trip. So all of a sudden it looked like, oh my gosh, I thought it was going to look like this, but now I have to take a, a detour. Because we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. And as I was looking at this, I realized that much of Jesus' ministry happened on his way somewhere else. Most of the miracles that we read about and are our favorite stories in the Bible, do you realize these were things that happened when he was on the way to go do something else? That moment when he calmed the storm at the sea, when he's asleep in the boat and the disciples are freaking out and they wake him up and he, he speaks to the storm and calms the storm. They're like, what in the world just happened? Do you realize he was on the way over to meet the man who was possessed by legion? That was where he was going. This was just on the way. You look at Bartimaeus, one of my favorite stories. Jesus is leaving the city of Jericho, going to the next ministry stop. And this guy yells on the street, Son of David, help me. And this blind man gets healed on the spot because he has faith for it. Perhaps my favorite story is that of the woman with the issue of blood that said she had been bleeding for years and years and years and he'd been to every doctor she could see and no one could actually help her. And Jesus has got the crowd flowing. He's, he's moving. He's got people all around him. People are jostling up. And yet this woman presses through the crowd and just touches the hem of his garment. And she's instantly healed. And Jesus stops and goes, wait a minute. Somebody touched me with faith. And this woman, she's an interruption to where he was going. This was just on his way somewhere else, but this little detour led to perhaps one of the most incredible acts of faith for healing in the Bible that we see. What if what we thought was a detour had been God's plan all along? I think we might see some things happening that we didn't see before. Have you ever taken a detour somewhere, like maybe you... We're supposed to go north and you went south on 64 or 81 or 95. And yet all of a sudden you find something that was cooler than the place that you were actually going to. Anybody ever done that? Or you just convince yourself it's cooler not to admit that you went the wrong way. That's more a guy thing right there. But you ever taken a detour and then all of a sudden you found something better than where you were actually going? That happens all the time. I remember for me, you know, I played basketball in college and I had a, a chance to try out uh, for a couple of NBA teams after college. And I ended up going to Los Angeles and uh, tried out for the Lakers. It was kind of a good situation for me to try to make the team. And I spent three weeks, and I got cut right before the season started. 
Now I look at that situation and I go, man, if I had written the script of my life, I definitely would have made this team, eventually played with Kobe and Shaq, retired, had a ton of money, do what I want. That would have been the course of my life. But then I got cut. And it's like, are you kidding me? So I ended up going to Europe and played in Europe, which was great, but it ain't Los Angeles, let me tell you. Like I literally, they flew me out for the tryout first class. We went to the Gold's Gym out there, and, and you'd like this. We were lifting weights with Lou Ferrigno. Remember Lou Ferrigno? Incredible Hulk. I'm like, why isn't he green? I couldn't figure out why he wasn't green. And it just, you're rolling. With people. It's, and then, so they fly you out first class. You get a suite in a hotel by yourself. They flew me back, coach. Like, I couldn't find the guy that had my plane ticket. That's, that's how much it's like, hey, thanks for coming. See you later. And I remember thinking, man, this is not the way I thought my life would pan out. But through a certain circumstance of events, it's a career path that took me to Australia. When I found something on my detour that was better than where I thought I was going to be. And, <laughs> and she's sitting right here. It's Romy. Had I not been cut, I'd have never met her. I may have found a wife in L.A., but she would have been nothing like Romy. Sometimes detours take you to places that are actually better than where you thought you were going. Sometimes detours can feel like obstacles to overcome at times, don't they? Let me just get through this so I can go back on the path where I want to go. I remember at the previous church that I was at, we had a, a, a pastor's breakfast every Wednesday morning at 7.30, and I'm, I'm, uh, I was actually speaking at this pastor's breakfast, and you know, we've got 25, 30 pastors, whatever, we're supposed to be training every week, and, and I'm trying to finish up my message to get to teach at this pastor's breakfast, and I'm driving down the road, and it's, you know, it's 728, and I'm, I'm going to make it, but it's going to be close, and I'm driving by this intersection, and there's this girl that's stopped on the side of the road, her hood's up, she wasn't in an accident, but looks like her car had obviously broken down, and it's literally the stop right at the church, right? And I drive past, and I'm like, oh, man, look, she's broken down, and she looks a little stressed, but she had a phone. So I'm like, hey, she got a cell phone. Lord, help her in Jesus' name. I pray that AAA gets there right away. And I made the meeting on time, right? She's got a cell phone. She'll be fine. Now, this was a meeting you were not supposed to be late at ever, right? And so one of our pastors strolls in about 20 minutes late, and I'm like, Meeting started at 7.30. This is your work time. You're supposed to be... I'm thinking that. I didn't say that, right? And he walks in. He goes, I'm really, really sorry. I was on the way in. I was going to make it. And there's this girl that's stuck on the side of the road. She had no one to help her. So I was able to push her car into our church parking lot. We got her the help that she needed. She was so stressed out and freaked out because she wasn't able, she didn't know what to do. And I sat and I prayed with her and I said, I really believe that God brought me by here just to tell you that he loves you and you're going to get the help you need. Everything's going to be okay. We got her car fixed and she's gone, but I'm really sorry I'm late. And I look at my notes and it says, teach them how to notice the people who no one else notices in church life. And I looked at that and went, well, thus endeth the lesson for the day. You see, I actually let myself think that 
the most important thing of that day was to get to a meeting to teach people how to do the very thing that I just skipped over the opportunity to do. Luckily, I learned the lesson that day. And I've never taught on the Good Samaritan since then because I definitely wasn't the Good Samaritan in that story. <laughs> but it got me thinking. There's often, does that encourage you that your pastor just blows right by people? Uh, um, but it got me thinking. If so much of Jesus' life, so much of his ministry actually happened in what we would consider an interruption, then maybe there have been some instances in my life like this young girl, that I have passed over so that I could go do ministry when ministry is right in front of my face. Maybe there's moments that I've been sitting and praying, God, use me, God, use me. And there's people right next to me that need what I have. What is it exactly that I'm waiting for? We, we sat in a prayer meeting tonight. We're praying for our city. We're praying this like it's in the kids' classroom. Good luck finding it like before the service because it's like down this hallway around the corner and go through lights at which classroom is it? Like it's I, I apologize, it probably should be easier to find, but it's just what we have available to us. We're praying for our city, praying for revival in our city that those who are lost would come to know him. And a guy comes strolling into the meeting. I think he's going right, right now and he's in tears and he's going I just need help and I, I, I for some reason I thought this was the place to be and I'm like you know what my first thought was hang on we've got a prayer meeting we'll come talk to you later <laughs> like that was the first thought in my head I'm like oh stop don't you remember the story you're about to tell in an hour about the woman and this guy just walks into our prayer meeting and connects with our group and Brent ends up talking to him about Jesus and just telling him how much God loves him and you're in exactly the right place. And I'm like, God makes it so easy. But if we keep seeing these detours as obstacles to overcome, we're going to miss the fact that there's something right in front of our eyes that God has called us to do and a need that he has equipped us to actually meet. So we've only got a couple minutes left because, man, that was awesome, Don. That was that's your message, so just listen to the podcast later on this one. I want to talk to you about how to handle detours, and I'm going to tell you, it's lessons that I've learned just like I learned from that lady that was broken down on the street. I've learned it the hard way. A lot of times, I wish I could learn from other people's mistakes, but I tend to learn from my own, so I don't advise that as a good learning mechanism, so I'm giving you the advantage of learning from some of the mistakes that I've made in the past, but I want to share with you uh, a story in the Bible, in case you're wondering where it was coming from, of how to handle detours in your life. And the first thing I would encourage you to do is to pray that God would open your eyes. Pray that He'd open your eyes. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 11, let me give you a little background on this story. There's a prophet named Elisha, and Elisha has a servant named Gehazi. Now, Elisha used to minister in this particular town. He's like the man of God in this town. 
And this woman was so grateful for what God had done in her life and in this town that she built a room in her house specifically for Elisha to stay in. Be like an Airbnb just for him, right? And so she built it for him. And Elisha is like, man, this woman's really done something for us. And he begins to ask his servant Gehazi, what can we do for this lady? She's been so kind to us. How can we be kind to her? Okay, so we pick up the story, 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, one day Elisha returned to Shunem. And he went to this upper room to to rest. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak to her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her, we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or to the commander of the army? No, she replied, my family takes good care of me. So later Elisha asked Gehazi, what can we do for her? Gehazi replied, She doesn't have a son, and her husband is an old man. It's a big deal not to have a son back in those days. Call her back again, Elisha told him. When the woman returned, Elisha said to her, as she stood in the doorway, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get up my hopes like that. But sure enough, this woman soon became pregnant, and at that time, the following year, she had a son, just as Elisha had said. Now we have two people in this story, Elisha and Gehazi. Elisha, the man of God. I mean, a powerful man of God. You see some of the most incredible miracles in the Bible happen through this guy's life. This guy had an anointing like no one had ever seen before. And you got Gehazi, the servant. You see, Elijah could see the provision Elisha knew, I can get everything from God that anyone needs. Like, I, I can call down fire from heaven like Elijah did. I can, I can float an axe if an axe falls in the water through the power of God. Like this anointing that I have, there's, I have all the resources of heaven available to me to meet any need that's out here. He saw the provision, but he couldn't see the need. Yet Gehazi can see the need, but can't see the provision. You've got two pieces of this puzzle. Elisha, what do you need? I've got all the resources of heaven. Which, by the way, so do you. And Gehazi goes, I've just noticed this woman, that's the pastoral heart, doesn't have a son and her husband is old. But it's the combination of these two things that one of them needed their eyes to be open to see the need, and the other needed to have their eyes open to see the provision. And it's the combination of those two things that sees a miracle happen in this Shunammite woman's life. When I'm saying pray that God opens your eyes, for some of us it's a prayer that God would open our eyes to the need. And for some of us it's that God would open our eyes to the provision. That all the resources of heaven are available to us. Because if you get focused on one, if all you see is need, then need seems overwhelming. But if you can't see the need, then you become over-focused on the provision. We need more. We need more. We need more. we got to build bigger buildings. We need to bring more money. We need more. We need more. Because we're so focused on provision, but we haven't seen need. But the way ministry works under the anointing is just what I said over you. As you give out, it flows back in. 
Pray that God opens your eyes to see the need and that you see his provision to meet the need. I love it because in Acts chapter 3, we see this working. In Acts chapter 3, we have these two apostles, Peter and John. They go to this gate called Beautiful. And I'll read this to you. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Next screen, next slide. Each day he was put aside beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The man, the lame man, looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. That Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. Here we see Peter and John. They see the need. Do you know how many people walk past this lame man every day and now don't even see him anymore? Oh, that's just the, the lame guy. And you walk right past him. Peter and John saw the need, but they saw the provision of heaven. They knew, I have exactly what that man needs, even when he doesn't realize what he needs. You're asking for some money, but I've got the power of God to see you healed. I pray that God opens your eyes. I pray that he opens my eyes. God, let me see the need and let me see the provision of heaven. Let me come to the gate beautifuls of my life. Let me come to the the bottom of the off-ramps and I'm seeing a sign saying, homeless, need money. God, let me see the need, but let me see the provision from heaven. And what they don't possibly need is five bucks. But if I tell them about Jesus and if I've got some food and I can pray for whatever it is that they need and God can meet that need, then we're going to see revival in this city like we've never seen. When your eyes are open to the need, they're also open to the provision. It's funny because I'm walking around Walmart the other day. I'm walking around. I don't go to Walmart a lot, but I'm walking around it. And I remember praying this prayer going, God, open my eyes. I want to see. Let me see the need, but let me see the provision. And I'm, I'm, about, I'm almost crying walking through Walmart because I'm seeing all these different people shopping. And, you know, some of them are shopping for a camping trip in the wintertime. Who does this? And, and, and other people are like just maybe doing some early Christmas shopping, other people kind of trying to get by. And and I'm walking in here and I'm just going, God, these are my people. Walmart people are my people. They're your people. They're beautiful. Look at them. Look at the need, but look at the provision that you've got for them. Do they know there's a God in heaven who loves them? God, they're beautiful. Look at them. Pray that God opens your eyes. And you'll see his provision. The second thing that I would, I'm not a points guy, so if if you love points and messages, hopefully you like this one. I haven't been doing a lot of points, but I'm doing points tonight. The second thing, start asking God why you're there. Start asking God, why are you there? Now, when I say this, you're asking it with a different spirit. Because there's been detours in my life, and I'm going, God, why am I here? 
And there's been moments in my life when I realized, oh, it's a detour. Hey, God, why am I here? I remember one year I got sent to a, uh, a church in Tulsa that was doing like a, a biker rally. That's what it was. It was like a, a Christian biker rally. And I was supposed to go check it out because we were going to do one or something. And, but yet the timing of it was weird. Like I had to be back for a Sunday morning service, but their thing was really on Saturday night and it's in Tulsa. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can't make the night meeting and get back to church on time. And so I have to skip the whole thing. I'm going like I'm there to watch them set up, but I can't actually watch the event. And I, I'm still going. And you ever maybe you had a business trip like this and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. This is a, this is a waste of resources. This is I can't even get what I'm coming for. What am I doing here? Like I literally am going, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? What am I doing here? And so I'm in town and I can't even go to the, the, the whole uh, evening event. But then I was scrolling through my phone and I saw that uh, Hillsong United was actually in Tulsa. And uh, I noticed that they were in, in town and, and a buddy of mine runs their tour. So I texted him. I'm like, hey, man, you guys are in town. He goes, oh, what, what are you doing in Tulsa? I was like, I've been asking myself the same question. And so he's, he's like, come on by. We'll get you tickets. We'll get you in. And I remember coming to this concert and they start these songs and I can't remember which album it was, but. There's a song, Take Heart, uh, Encourage, my friend. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm by myself. And I just feel these wave after wave after wave of God. Like, you ever been in worship sometimes? You're just enjoying the song. And there's other times you're like, this was written for me. But I don't know what's happening right now, but this is just like wave after wave after wave is coming over me. And I felt like there's just this massive download that God's doing. He's, he's depositing something in me. But I don't know what it's for, but I left like hugely built up. And it was two weeks later that my, my brother passed away. Had a heart attack and died like that. Now, that was a detour that I sat there going, why am I here? But God knew what was coming. God didn't cause it. But he knew what I needed to endure what was coming. There was another time when, I know we're going a little bit late tonight, so I'm going to wrap this up in a minute. There was another time when uh, we were going to spend Christmas in Australia, uh, but I had to stick around for a Christmas Eve service. But the Rummy and the kids flew out a couple days prior so they could be at her family's house for Christmas. And so I had arranged it that I would fly out Christmas afternoon. My family's not here anyway, so I kind of spent Sunday morning with my mom and dad and flew out Saturday, uh, Christmas afternoon, and I'd get to Australia like on the 27th or whatever. And I arranged the flights, and everything was looking fine. And for some reason, I decided... I've never done this. I don't even think it goes through here anymore, but I booked a flight through Detroit. So it was Detroit to L.A. to Sydney. It usually doesn't go that way. It usually goes through Chicago or Houston or someplace else. And so I made sure I had enough time, layovers in each place in case something went wrong. And then we get to Norfolk, and I get on the plane, and I sit on the plane in Norfolk for three and a half hours. 
And it was one of those things where our sensor is telling us that something's broken. We don't think it's broken, but we have to get somebody to come by to tell us it's not broken so we can take off. And that person probably doesn't exist. So I missed my connection in Detroit. So I get to Detroit, but I missed my connection. Now I'm a resourceful guy. I'm like, I'll figure out a way. I, I got to get to my family. It's Christmas Day, right? I got to get there. I got to get there. And so I'm, as soon as I land, I'm looking at all these flights, and it's like, oh my gosh, everything's gone, 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 right? And so I get to Detroit, and I have exhausted every possible resource, because I'm thinking, I may not get to Australia, but at least let me get to L.A. If I have to spend Christmas night somewhere, let it be L.A., not Detroit. That's not necessarily the place I want to spend Christmas night. It's negative 125 degrees Fahrenheit, and I'm dressed for an Aussie summer. This is not where I want to spend Christmas night, but I'm stuck. I'm out of there. It's already like 1030 at night, and I'm like, all right, now I got to find a hotel. There's no hotels available, so now I got to track down from the airline, the hotel voucher, and I'm just going, I'm so frustrated because I just want to get to see my family, and finally I got like the airport hotel that I'm, they finally gave me a voucher to stay in the airport hotel. And so I'm in there and I'm like, man, what is it? Oh, put my bags in there. I'm, I can't call her because it's the wrong time zone to tell her I'm not going to make it. And, and so, I, and by the way, oh, I forgot this part. There's no more flights going for the next two days because lots of people miss their flight. So there's, and flying after Christmas is the most booked time. So I'm like, I might be in Detroit for three days. That's what they're telling me. There's nothing, there's no other flight we can put you on for another two days. The third day, we might be able to get you on standby. Great. So I'm frustrated. And then I was like, well, I'm hungry. I'll go get something to eat. Christmas night, what's open? The hotel restaurant. So I'm sitting in the hotel restaurant and I just went, ah, remember that lady that broke down? front of the church that day. I remember that time you got stuck in Tulsa. Hey, God, why am I here? Would you open my eyes? Because maybe there's something here that I just can't see. Because right now, all I see is the need, and that need is to get on an airplane. I look at this waiter who had already come to my table a couple of times, and I was like, how does a guy end up working at a hotel restaurant on Christmas night? So I said, hey, how does a guy end up working at a hotel restaurant on Christmas night? He said, oh, really didn't have anywhere else to go, nothing to do, no family, whatever, so there's no big deal. I said, God, would you, would you open my eyes to what's going on? He said, press a little further. Because I felt like it's almost like a door that just gets cracked open. And God's going, hey, I want you to step through that cracked door. And so I just began to say, hey, uh, tell me a little bit about your life. And we're both just here, whatever. He goes, can I ask you a question? I was like, yeah. He goes, are you like a motivational speaker or something? And I was like, not very motivational. And he began to tell me his story about how he ended up in Detroit. And he said, long story short, that there was a day in my life when God had called me to 
the ministry. He called me to plant a church. He didn't know I was a pastor at the time. He said he called me to plant a church, but things didn't work out the way I thought they would. I was taken advantage of. The church kind of fizzled out and didn't work out, and lots of bad things got said. And I was actually in seminary at the time, and it just didn't work out. And I said, God, I'm done. If this is what church is, I'm done. And it was in another state. And he says, I've been running from God since that day. That I just was giving up on him. So how does a guy like me end up working here? It's because this is all I've got left. And I've been pouring waters, refilling waters and saying, God, if you're real, I got to know. Because I've seen the fake and I don't want the fake. I went, well, I know why I'm here. And I'm here to breathe life back into your dream. And God wants you to know that he loves you. And you're not lost. And the call that he had on your life as a little kid is still the same call. And he hasn't given up on you. And this guy's face is just like, what the heck? And I prayed with this young man. I don't know where he is today. But I know because I stopped asking, God, why am I here? And started asking, hey, God, why am I here? My detour also became his detour. Because the dream that had died in him got breathed on by the Holy Spirit. I don't know where that guy is today, but I'm so thankful that I got stuck in Detroit on Christmas night. I went back up into my room like I had preached better than T.D. Jakes in his church. And it wasn't because I had wise and persuasive words. It's because I just prayed that God would open my eyes. And he did. I'd encourage you to make that your prayer. Maybe the text message you haven't returned yet is not the interruption to the thing you're supposed to do. Maybe that's the person that's reaching out and actually does need you to just reach out to them again. I know sometimes there are distractions in our life that can keep us from where God's called us to be. But if you walk closely with God, He'll show you what is the distraction and what is his heart for you. Because in his, man, in his heart, a man plans his course, but God directs his footsteps. If you walk with him, he'll keep the distractions at bay and will take you to where he's called you to be. So some really practical things that I've done in my life, this is the last thing, is I've learned to create margins for ministry. If ministry happens along the way, you know one of the things I do? I carry an extra 20 bucks in my, in my wallet, in my phone. Because I never know when I might have the opportunity to bless somebody. Create margins. Have the 20 bucks with you for the specific purpose of if God presents an opportunity for you to bless somebody, you can do it. Leave 10 minutes earlier. Maybe if I had left earlier, I would have had time to push that girl's car into the parking lot and still make the meeting on time. But what if you started leaving 10 minutes earlier just in case you run into somebody who needs you? Just start thinking about stuff like that. This is a crazy one, and I'll end with this. 
Pick the longer line on purpose. Because maybe that's the place where I have more of a chance to interact with somebody in that line. We want quick. I got to get this because I got to do my thing. But maybe the line was what you were supposed to do that day. Be open to it. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we love you. We really love you. And I pray that as we plan our course, as we make our plans, that you would determine our steps. And I pray for open eyes and open hearts tonight and this week as we go about our day. I thank you, Lord, that you bring us opportunities every day to be your hands and your feet and your love to a lost and dying world who needs you. And I pray, God, that you give us more and more and more opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.